0: For any kid, anybody listening who feels like they came into this world without a lot of tools, I can say that you can create your own tools. It's not going to be easier, but that's also the challenge and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because I knew I could. So if you can see me and you can see that I carved out the path, please follow the path behind me. It's all for you. I'm doing it for the generation after me. (laughs)
1: Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Ray Mandelzalanda, zalanda one half of your co-host.
2: And I'm Yuki Okamoto-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Kelly Lynn D'Angelo. She is a native writer and she uses pronouns she, they. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Hi, yes,
0: I am Kelly Lynn D'Angelo. I am Haudenosaunee, Tuscarora, um, as well as Muscombatong Cree. I come from upstate New York. That's where I was born and raised. My whole family is from the Buffalo, Tonawanda, Bassam area. And then I grew up in Rochester and I went to Syracuse University. So when I say I'm from upstate, I truly mean it. I grew a (laughs) dart at the state of New York somewhere upstate and I've lived there or studied there or grew up (laughs) there. So it has a very fond place in my heart. But after 22, 23 years of growing up there, it's very small town USA. And with my my father is second generation Italian American immigrant. And so mm-hmm. I sort of have this duality in me and this real small town energy, the American dream, the American nightmare all meshed up in one. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> it was sort of a hope of mine to get out and see what was outside of this bubble and outside of sort of the The circle I knew um, had no idea that film and television was a career or an industry that one could pursue Mm. and discovered that actually in college, my first day of college. (laughs) So changed my major. (laughs) Yeah, there was was somebody who was sitting behind me. Hi, Ben. I don't know if you're listening to this, but I'm shouting out to you. And he's still a friend. (laughs) And he was sitting behind me in class, the first class ever, the first day ever of college. I asked him what he was studying and he said, television, radio, film. And then I went, you can do that.
1: That's, that's a major.
0: <laughs> so I changed my major. Yeah. And yeah, after sort of going on the journey, coming out here, getting a lot of internships and experience, I eventually had my first break after about five years out here, maybe four. Mm. From there, I've been a professional writer ever since and have done some really cool things along the way besides just writing animation i have also written live action, I've musicals. I play Dungeons and Dragons professionally. I do a lot of weird, wacky stuff. I let no one hold me back. I always do what my intuition tells me. So hi, I'm Kelly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Incredible, beautiful introduction. But before we get into the interview and learn much more about you, the way we'd like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices, and you have to choose in between the two of them, and let us know why.
0: All right, I'm ready.
1: Okay. Okay. Excellent. Awesome. I'll start us off with the first question. Would you rather be skating around town with the kids from Rocket Power, or riding in an RV exploring the Sahara with the Wild Thornberries? RV oh berries,
0: yeah hands down i think i've already kind of been doing that i've traveled to <laughs> all 48 of the states and driven through wait it. no way yeah no way. Were 48 okay so, well what, what are you missing oh. then
1: what two are you missing
0: i'm missing alaska and hawaii <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay okay okay
0: um so yes yeah, so those are definitely on the docket of of must go to one day wow really mm-hmm. what is you so just well. like
2: uh road tripping like what for
0: yeah, I mean, I love exploring. I think I get a lot of my inspiration through that in particular. <laughs> and I get a lot of inspiration from, I don't know, just seeing new things, going to new cultures. I think it's one of the reasons why mm. I am so obsessed with travel and mm. am so obsessed with languages and cultures and all that good stuff. So it's probably why that's I'm so also awesome. a writer. It's because it's like you get to explore <laughs> the whole world in your head. So,
1: oh man, that's awesome. Oh. Yeah. i can't imagine visiting more than like five states <laughs> just the fact that you get 48 is insane to me okay all right, yeah, all right blazed through some states but i don't
2: know if i would call that visiting them yeah. are you the kind of person who like when you go on vacation do you like make new friends or do you just kind of like chill out there you're like hey like it's cool to check out the culture like from afar.
0: I'm sort of a mixture of both. It depends on where oh, I'm okay. at in the day. So there's a lot of the time, one of my favorite things to do is just kind of people watch. Mm. Like maybe the interactions just with me getting a cup of coffee at the cafe and I have a really cool interaction with the person who's behind mm-hmm. the counter or something. Or I have a nice chat with a waiter. I remember a lot of moments in my travels. I've done a lot of solo traveling in Europe as well. Mm. And so like I've had so many experiences. But one of my favorite things to do is like recklessly throw myself into environments. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, I just like have a crazy amount of faith in humanity. I know mm. that sounds kind of wild, but I do. And in this day and age. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I do. And so I put myself in environments that challenges that. So mm. for example, if I'm traveling, I and I'm afraid to streak up a conversation with the person at the bar, I'm going to do it. Because mm. that means like I'm resisting something, and I gotta like, and I always I've made so many friends along the way because of that. Because I've just mm. opened up my blabbery mouth, I have like like six or seven group chats from the last year of all people I've met oh, throughout wild. the whole the whole world. That's so crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> oh man. Okay. What What about you, Yuki? Riding around town with the rocket power, or also gonna go the RV exploring the area with the Thornberries.
2: I mean, I feel like the RV would be the safer choice for me, even though oh, it's yeah. in the Sahara. I don't know. I'm just so accident prone. I, <laughs> I don't know. So in my mind, even though the Sahara like is also dangerous, the <laughs> idea that I'm in an RV at some point with my family sounds safer than skating. <laughs> Than, than extreme sport.
0: I mean, like an RV versus a hippopotamus, definitely a challenging duel. Right? I mean, like yeah. also true. But like at that
2: point, I'm like, well, I've already like signed the contract that says if you die via hippopotamus, like maybe that's your fault.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a way to go, too.
2: Oh man! What a way to go.
1: <laughs> what about you right what do you think? i i think i would do rocket power i think it would be a nice oh, really? i think i would be the i forget the name the white kid oh Sam? squid yeah yeah i because i don't we think
2: I, for opposites? I, I don't
1: i don't i don't think i'd be that because i'm not that good at skating but i would like to try but i feel like i'd be like i feel like i'd be like the kid like that has that still needs uh their training wheels on a bike as yeah, i'm trying to keep yeah. up with the other people
0: rocket power <laughs> has one of my favorite Things ever that I quote all the time, and like only two people have ever gotten it in my, but I know I'm talking to the right crew. But you put sand in the potato salad, you put sand (laughs) in the potato salad. I say it all the time. I don't Uh, know.
1: (laughs) I thought you're gonna go the woogity woogity woogity.
0: Oh, that was that's classic. I'm talking about a specific episode where they put sand in the potato salad.
1: That's why it's truly a deep cut. Yeah, deep, deep cut. (laughs) (laughs) Memory triggered.
2: (laughs) All right, perfect, perfect. Last question: Would you rather be a crime-fighting robot like XJ Nine from My Life as a Teenage Robot, or an element of harmony like the ponies from My Little Pony?
0: Oh, well, this is an obvious answer for me (laughs) (laughs) because I wrote on one of those shows. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um, it is hands down an element of harmony from My Little Pony Ooh, all right, oh, right, wow. I am gonna say something that I shouldn't say but I'm gonna say it anyway because at some point <laughs> the world needs to know I, I've i written on the Gen 4 and Gen 5 I've written on both mm-hmm. and I prior to even getting into the Gen 4 room I was a fan of My Little Pony I what I mean nice. by that is I showed up at the first convention I had ever been to dressed as Pinkie
2: Pie. <gasps> really? <laughs> yeah, I love Pinkie Pie. And oh, so yeah. the, Okay, from the new series, we're like old Pinkie Gen Pie. Gen 4. Gen 4, Pinkie okay, okay, Pie. Okay. Yeah, 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 I got it.
1: Okay, well, okay, what do you mean by Gen 4? This is like going over my head.
0: Oh, like, like there's different generations of My Little Pony. And so... Like okay. it depends on how many series there are. So Gen Four <clears> was like the previous series, like the previous, no- like the really big one that sort of blew up. Okay. And then yeah, Generation Two the, the D reboot. Yeah. Yeah. Gen- generation Five is like the newer ponies. That's like the three. Oh, okay. One. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you can think about it, Ray, it's like the two D reboot uh, with the uh, like Lauren Faust style, right? That's Gen Four, and then Gen Five is they have a three D show now, different okay. ponies, kind of. Yeah. And uh, hey,
0: all of you pony people listening. You better stick with Gen 5 because let me tell you, (laughs) you you gave us so much crap and it gets so good. We put our hearts into it so much. The person creating it is a genius. Trust. Trust in the process, you guys. Trust Mm -hmm. in your storytellers. Mm -hmm. We got you. I swear. I swear. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) People don't like change. They were like, "Mm, "Yeah, it's (laughs) no longer 2D. I hate it.
0: But the characters and the story is so good and that movie was incredible. Mm -hmm. That My Little Pony movie that you know introduced Generation Five. It was a stunning movie.
2: So anyway. I liked it. I like how they really kept the cartoony aspects of it and like I don't know, it does it does feel like a new generation. And honestly, if you looked back at season one of like Gen Four and stuff, the characters are pretty rough because you have to start somewhere to have character (laughs) development. So please yeah, like just give it a try if you like if you like the ponies.
0: And I was a secret brony. I'm a secret <laughs> brony who's written <laughs> I don't from my, my a little pony. <laughs> Shit. You're right. The world now knows shh, 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 shh. it's between us and all of your listeners.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, I I'm learning new stuff now. I'm I'm learning more about the world of my little pony. Your brain is expanding. <laughs> right? It is. Oh man. Okay, I think I would probably have to go being a crime fighting robot. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Only because I'm more familiar with it. I'm more oh, okay. familiar with it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't mind being a robot because that means I, I can live forever. I have no shelf life.
0: Wow, that sounds like somebody who really needs to watch My Little Pony.
1: <laughs> Wait, did they live forever? Are they immortal? No, or did they constantly than- die? <laughs>
0: It's more that like you're like I am a robot. I do not have a heart. I can just do cool things uh, and live I- uh, forever. Live <laughs> forever. Like, you, My Little Pony. We have a new My Little Pony fan, everybody, right here, right now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, in the future, announcing race. I couldn't
0: think of a show that dives more into the nuance of emotion.
2: My <laughs> Little Pony, and the reason. true. It's I mean, like- the whole like magic is based around your emotions and your connections with your friends and stuff.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe I gotta get him a watch. Maybe I gotta get him a watch.
2: I mean, what what kind of... All right, Kelly, what kind of element do you think you would be of Harmony?
0: Oh, man, this is a hard one.
2: It's okay, you can blow out <sighs> your ego, whatever you think it is.
0: Okay, let me think <laughs> about that as you answer the question, maybe, yeah? yeah? Okay,
2: okay, all right. I I think I would also go with the element of Harmony here just because I do like... I like magic and power that kind of comes from... The idea of like working with other people and i think jenny is very cool from my life as a teenage robot but like it's basically just her and then her friends are normies and she kind of has to do everything herself and i'm like i'm kind of <laughs> not about that so yeah I, I like the the idea that like she makes these friends and they represent these different elements of this you know friendship magic and then they together can do whatever they need to do mm. i think it's very cute
0: mm. Okay, now I have to answer, don't I? <laughs> All right, Karen, what do you think? Oh, gosh. If you can't, okay, if you can't I, think of anything, it's okay. I am probably laughter as one of the elements. I'm also probably magic a little bit as well. <laughs> but, so I'm a little bit, you know, a little bit of Twilight, a little bit of Pinky. But I, I am Pinky. Like, like one of the reasons I loved Pinky is because she used her sense of humor. And, and maybe, maybe like an older version of me was definitely Pinky. Because like hmm. some of my favorite moments for with Pinkie Pie is like when she would use laughter and then get really dark and <laughs> like eerily yeah. dark and I'm like oh my gosh Pinky you understand me we use laughter as a means of getting through this world it's a great coping mechanism <laughs> uh, so probably laughter yeah
1: okay Aww,
2: nice I love
1: that yeah yeah yeah
0: what about you Yuki
2: hmm I think I would go with I guess I would go with kindness. I don't know. Aww. Very like fluttershy coded or whatever.
0: <laughs> fluttershy is the best. I know. Best. I'm
2: like it sounds. It sounds like dumb to be like, "Well, I'm so so nice to people or whatever." But I I would say that more than anything else.
0: I love all the Fluttershy's in my life. Like they so are my wonderful. Hufflepuffs of life. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they give me so much. So I love people whose motivation is that fluttershy energy. Anyway, mm-hmm. don't you feel left out? Um, a little bit. <laughs> anyway. yeah, yeah, a little bit.
3: I was going to ask you, Ki. <laughs> G- you know, you, Rory, you you know me pretty well. You cool club. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: go, go watch all of My Little Pony and then come back to
3: us.
0: Your element of harmony is immortality. <laughs> 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 I feel like that was one of the bad guys. <laughs> it is. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty,
3: pretty sure. Okay, you, you, is. You,
1: you know me pretty well. What, what would my, what is it? Fifth element? was Yeah, no. Oh! Ele- what would my element of harmony be
3: if I was a um, if I was a pony? <laughs> maybe maybe
1: honesty. Oh yeah, okay.
2: Honesty, that's uh, a good one. Either either Applejack or or Rainbow Dash. I feel <laughs> just
0: because. I yeah. Forget,
2: wait. What is what is Rainbow Dash's actual? What is it called?
0: Which one's Rainbow? I'm gonna actually look this up. I can't remember. <laughs> element of Harmony, Rainbow Dash. It is loyalty. Yeah, loyalty. Oh,
2: loyalty. Oh, okay. Uh, I feel that too. But I, I mean, I'll just go with honesty. I don't know. Okay. I feel like you're like pretty reliable. So that's how I think of it. Okay. I don't know. Something like that.
1: Well, now I know. Now I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you for this such an insightful conversation.
0: Who needs therapy when you have my little pony? <laughs> oh,
1: that's so great. Thank you so much, Kelly, for playing in between with us.
0: Thank you. That was a fun one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to listen to the extended version of the in-between segment, support and subscribe to us on Ko-Fi. Just type in ko-fi.com forward slash straight ahead AP. And if this is your first time tuning in, please be sure to follow us on Blue Sky and Instagram at straight ahead AP to stay up to date whenever we upload a new episode. So without further ado, thank you again, Kelly, for being on this podcast. We're so happy to have you on, as well as celebrate Indigenous Heritage Month here on the podcast as well.
0: Yeah, it's exciting month. It's been an interesting month, definitely. <laughs> but I am yeah. proud of being Native. I truly am.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. No, we're, we're so happy to be able to spotlight you and learn more about your story. We're really excited. And to yeah. kind of start us off, could you tell us how you first got your start writing in animation?
0: Gosh, so... My journey with animation is an interesting one because I have a great love for animation. It's sort of where a lot of my beginning sense of world building came from. My love of musical started with Disney when I was a young mm-hmm. kid. All of those great, great movies from the early 90s. God, I feel old. I'm from the 1900s. <laughs> um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all of those really just were foundational for me. And so... I grew up mm-hmm. loving it, loving the world, loving the characters, and the sense of humor. Especially a lot of the animation that I grew up with never pandered. It was always written elevated, and and, and mm-hmm. as if kids were just adults waiting to be born. Like you can watch stuff and as an adult still enjoy it.
3: Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that,
0: I think that's something I love so much about it. And I felt like somebody was talking to me as an equal rather than yeah. like as a kid. So. Mm-hmm in love with the animation still was obsessed with it as i got into my teen years but then i was like i don't watch baby stuff like spongebob anymore i loved spongebob by the way i always watch SpongeBob. <laughs> but i was like i don't watch baby tom kenny you're great please don't please don't hurt me i adore you tom <laughs> Kenny. he would never hurt me it's just like more like i want to be your friend still anyway that's enough, um, <laughs> enough that. um i worked with him on another show so it's like anyway but i gosh I sort of like became this girl who was like, I only like elevated, like a like edgy comedy, like like, yeah, of course. like you know, south Park <laughs> okay. teenager and, or like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, all that. So I went through that mm-hmm. phase. But my first breakthrough in animation, so I always wanted to brighten both. I never mm-hmm. wanted to be strapped by the medium I chose to tell a story at all. Mm-hmm. Which is one mm-hmm. of the reasons why, and we'll probably get into it. I have so many careers in so many different corners. And it's because no matter what story is called to me, I'll find the right method to get it out in the world. Mm -hmm. I'll become an expert in that method and then I'll get the story out. It's kind of crazy, but it's how I work. So (laughs) I actually was in college and Mm -hmm. was studying a handful of different majors and wanted to do a domestic abroad because I am from upstate New York. I went to Syracuse University, which is in Syracuse. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was really important to get out to LA and try to get an experience. Mm-hmm. So when I came out here, I took a bunch of internships and I, this is a really interesting story. So there's the definitive line. Would it be my first like writing experience or my first experience working professionally in animation?
2: Mm. However you kind of interpret it, I mm-hmm. suppose.
0: OK, so the, the moment that I really just like loved working in the space and knew that was like a direction I wanted to take was when I was 20 years old. I had already moved out here my senior year of college. And I decided I'm going to do domestic abroad for a semester. I came Mm -hmm. out the summer before and got as much experience as I could in LA prior to my semester starting.
3: Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I
0: volunteered. I tried to get involved with things. I tried to get participatory. And there was this event where USC was playing against Syracuse at like a football game thing mm-hmm. uh love football if you can't tell from, like, <laughs> how what, how i just described that um geez there was, <laughs> a, there was a
1: ball thing people were throwing it around <laughs> the funny thing is I, I
0: love the buffalo bills i grew up watching football <laughs> But I think for me, there's a part of me that's so internally resistant to it since my whole family is so obsessed with it. And I'm like, this is triggering for you guys. Like when Buffalo Bills lose, I've never seen you all more depressed for the rest of the week. So
3: I was like, I can't,
0: I can't, I can't buy into this anymore. It's not good for my mental and emotional health. So hmm. I I became detached from football and now I don't even remember what it is. But <laughs> I was at this football game volunteering because they were doing a really big, like, a Lemon eye event. So since Syracuse was out here, they were doing this mm-hmm. whole thing. And the tickets were really expensive to get in. It was this fully all-day curated pregame. Like, they had bouncy houses and all-you-can-eat food and free drinks. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, you can meet all these stars and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So tickets were sold out for a long time. And I was volunteering. And because I'm a goody-two-shoes nerd who's also an anarchist, there's a lot going on there, you guys. I... <laughs> I was the good girl volunteering at the gate while all the other students who were volunteering went off and got free food and started having fun and drinking and like not (laughs) doing their volunteer job. It was a hot day. I needed to eat. I needed to drink water. I needed to go to the bathroom. I couldn't leave my post because I was checking people in. So Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is crazy. Like, this place is sold out. I've had to turn over like 100 people away from the door because like mm-hmm. they're like, we'll pay for tickets like whatever. I'm like, I'm sorry. These $200 tickets or whatever to mm-hmm. 100 million. I don't know how much money it was. It was expensive tickets. I was like, these tickets are not available. I'm tired. I'm hot. I'm five foot three. Like, I don't know what you <laughs> want to me. I'm the bodyguard. There's nobody mm-hmm. else. It's me in a line of people for eight mm-hmm. hours.
3: Okay. Oh, so
0: the day goes on and it's two hours away from the game. I still have an eight. I started at like eight or nine in the morning. It was like 5 p.m. Oh, Jesus Christ. Christ! I was yeah. so tired. I had no time for it. nobody. Everyone was off. Every, so half the kids were already at the freaking game. Like I'm just standing mm-hmm. there doing my job. And so I get frustrated. Right. And I take a deep breath. And I'm like, Kelly, you're at your breaking point. And at this point, you can use the excuse that you're hallucinating because you are you're not okay. Like your body uh-huh. isn't taking care of your brain. I'm over it. I wield the power. And so <laughs> I was like, I am the access point to all. I can just let people in. There's a whole freaking thing of food. There's so much food left over. They're going to throw it all away. I was like, you know what? No. The next person who walks up to me and says, can I get in? Even if it's sold out, I'm going to sneak them in. <laughs> Okay. So this goes somewhere. I swear to God. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna sneak him in. Uh huh. And so this guy comes up to me, and he he's in on the joke already. And I'm so delusional. He's <laughs> In on the joke? Like he knew that I was five foot three at the door, and I said no to him. So the yeah. moment that I, he was like, "Come on!" Like he's like right away, he he could notice that there was like a crack. In my facade. Uh. and I think it was because I also hadn't drank water. Uh So there's a crack in my facade. And He goes, come on. You know you want to let me in, right? I mean, what do I got to, you know, how can I sweeten the deal? And we're joking. And I was like, all right, okay. Okay, what do you got? What do you got on you? And he's like a toothpick and like a dollar bill. And I was like, I don't want your money. But here, let me tell you something. <laughs> like, I'll let you in, okay? You and me and this this friend of yours that's right by. And then he goes, okay, cool, 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 cool. I knew you were a cool one. Uh, and he goes, but it's not just me. And this person, a whole bus pulls up. It's like 50 people. What? <laughs> oh, my
2: God. <laughs> so Syracuse, okay. don't hate me.
0: I let them all in. And okay. I let them eat the food that was about to get thrown out. I made sure that they, like, it was all it was all just free stuff at that point. Like everyone mm-hmm. had already left the event, so it and it ended up accidentally being all of the executive producers and creators of "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." <laughs> and oh. I had no idea. Oh my god! And what? yeah, <laughs> I had no idea. And one of them, I think it was David Hornsby or Scott Martyr, were like, oh no, like nodding. The guy who I let in, who was Rob Rosell, who I had no idea, mm-hmm. who's one of the EPs and creators, uh-huh. and he like nudged me, and he's like, "Give her an internship." all right, okay, no, give her a job. And he's like, I I don't have a job. And he goes, give her an internship. And so my <laughs> first job ever working in animation was in the writer's room for a show called Unsupervised that had one season from all of the creators from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh my God. So I guess what I'm trying to say to those listening <laughs> is, yes, Theo, my dog, <laughs> yes. my dog yeah. literally just went woof. No, it's, it's
2: too insane to, that's okay.
0: But there's no, It's too insane. <laughs> it's too insane. And I think for me, a lot of the time, it's just about being open to mm-hmm. opportunity and noticing things and being a little silly. I think mm-hmm. being a little ridiculous and outside of what the mainstream is has always given me access to the strangest <laughs> stories and the most wonderful experiences.
2: Oh, yeah. I will say that's probably the most extreme version of right time, right place that I've ever heard yeah,
1: yeah, i that is wild i love that story like and they had like no idea like you're majoring in like radio technology field they're just like doesn't matter if you're a psychology major doesn't matter if you're just a random person here just volunteering your time you
0: could be you also have to remember we are at a football game and they were already drinking so <laughs> yeah. like they said this and i remember running up to him and be like what do you do and he's like oh i'm a writer and i'm like for what and he was like it's always sunny philadelphia and i'm like no way and so i got his name <laughs> I didn't get uh-huh. his e I no, I did get his email. I asked him to write it down. He was not he was drinking. It was a pregame <laughs> yeah. for, for football. And so he like was writing it down, like, yeah, yeah, okay. I email him like the next day or two days later, trying to be chill and being like, Yeah, can I, can I get up with that internship? internship? <laughs> mm-hmm. And he ended up Calling the head of our department, who's a friend of mine, thank god he loved me, the teacher, the professor, and <laughs> uh-huh. gave me a glowing recommendation so he could like check it off to make sure I wasn't insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how it happened. Yeah, wow, I love that.
1: I love that. Oh, oh my god,
0: <laughs> shout out to Robin Scott, you guys are great.
1: <laughs> okay, oh man all right because <laughs> the, the next thing I, I don't know how i'm like segue from that story that was just such a great story like it's <laughs> like so wild well to that's, me that's that's actually insane yeah <laughs> <laughs> but the, one of the other things i also kind of want to ask you is that so from that first start you got a whole catalog of other experiences and credits from my little pony to final space to mau mau the chicken squad one of the things i also want to ask is that was working Specifically on Spirit Rangers, as a writer, was that your first time working on a project with other Indigenous creatives?
0: That's an interesting question because technically mm. I had worked a little bit with the creator of Spirit Rangers on Chicken Squad. So I have worked with other mm. Indigenous and Native creators in other rooms and other experiences.
1: Okay, that's good. But it
0: was usually always mm. like one-on-one or like we were passing one another. or It was a very quick experience, like a three-day summit or mm. a quick tiny little writer's room for like a web series, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this like working on spirit rangers and i want to i want to say something too that i feel like a lot of people don't realize i hate the word indigenous i hate Hmm. it i like Hmm. the word native when we're talking to people in reference to north america Hmm. or at least america proper and there's a lot of reasons for that it's just the specificity is more we're still navigating like all of these titles given to you know 500 plus tribes because we would prefer to be called by our tribes but
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Native for me It's just stronger Than indigenous Because it reminds mm-hmm. people We're native To here And when people mm-hmm. hear indigenous It can apply to anybody All around the world Native is what we are Here mm-hmm. So smallest thing mm, That makes thing. sense yeah. yeah And so It's like And I think a lot of other Like We're native t- On this land So I think yeah. anybody If they're If they're on a land That they are native to They have a right to say that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I Have never seen that Before Like it It just to be clear that like doesn't that hadn't existed. What Mm -hmm. Spear Rangers has done has never existed before. Like there was no all native or like uh, several natives in a writer's room. You know, I when I first joined IATSE, TAG, eight three nine, and the WGA, I was lucky if I saw like two native people ever. And Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. we historically have had, and there's reasons for it. Mm -hmm. A huge bar to entry in Hollywood. We are literally, I kid you not, decades behind a lot of other groups. Mm -hmm. And there's reason for that Mm -hmm. as well. It's unfortunate. A lot of other people have decided to tell our stories instead of inviting us in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this was a huge moment. This is a huge moment for us to be able to literally navigate it together. A show like Spear Rangers was such a intro. It felt like a toddler sometimes because you're trying to walk and create something that's never been built before. You're inviting Mm -hmm. in so many creatives from around the country, so many native creatives from around the country who have never done something like this before or have never had the opportunity to have the support to do something like this before. Mm -hmm. And it opened up the doors for just literally this show alone, created Mm -hmm. like jobs and like a repertoire to Hollywood or like a door to Hollywood for like over 200 natives. When, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: When prior to that, I remember when I first started out here, it was like 20 natives. Yeah. And to think yeah. the power of like Reservation Dogs, Rutherford Falls, and Spirit Rangers have done when you've just given three native creatives platform. Now we're starting to actually grow. So mm-hmm. this is all yeah. within the last couple of years, which is that should blow people's minds. That should be like, yeah. what? Mm-hmm. In three years, this, it, it, it's expanded on the WGA Native American Writers Committee to five people at the meetings to over like 80. And now that's like, awesome. that's crazy that's Love wild that. yeah
2: i mean i'm sorry that it took so long but yeah it's it's amazing to hear that it's yeah. it's kind of exploded it's like you know what the the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago and the second
0: best time is now yeah yuki no. you should apologize cuz <laughs> this is all your fault yeah, I can't believe well, i done this. Well, Yuki, you're supposed to take <laughs> <Not them>. that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that that was kind of our experience,
2: too. In, in, like, when we created this podcast, we're like, yes, of course, we want to uh, highlight, like, uh, BIPOC individuals and stuff like that. But we were like, yeah, we'll just get recommendations for people, obviously. They'll come out of the woodworks. They exist, right? And it just was like, we had, like, about like, maybe, like, two or three Native guests total. and Like, people who are Indigenous to other countries, too, and stuff like that. But... We were like, hmm, well is looking pretty dry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we
2: were very fortunate that Carissa was able to connect us with a, a few native writers and like other professionals and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So like huge shout out to Carissa Valencia. Thank you so mm-hmm. much again.
1: Also a uh, huge shout out to Michael Rodriguez for putting in connection with Carissa as well.
0: <laughs> yes, that's yeah. I mean
2: the, the whole domino effect. Mm-hmm. But
0: Yeah, you have one native, you get them all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I wish at the... Uh, she was she was telling us about mm-hmm. like you know obviously the the history. Well, she and other guests have told us you know history w- uh between like Native Americans and uh, Hollywood and how
1: that's like you know yeah the, been. yeah the thing that I was kind of thinking about when you were kind of talking about how animation or Hollywood like decades behind or mm-hmm. and stuff it we kind of reminded me of what Carissa was telling us when we had her on the podcast was that history when you're learning about um, Native Americans or the Indigenous people or like get yeah, the natives is they talk about them in the past tense. Mm-hmm. Like they don't exist anymore. It's like, and she was telling us like, no, we're still very much around. But like when we learn about the native Americans, it's always in the past tense. And it's like, so weird that that yeah, didn't cross weird. my mind until Carissa kind of brought it up. I was like, why mm-hmm. is that? And is that the intention to kind of make it seem like it's in the past. We know we came here. We know we took over, but it's in the past. Let's kind of move forward. And like it, Seems like that's still something that's like a hurdle you guys um, have to kind of overcome. But I'm glad that like what you exactly said was *Reservoir Dogs, was Three Rangers. You guys are finally breaking down the walls that kind of Hollywood has kind of put up.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I might be quoting it inaccurately, but I think it was Illuminative that took the poll over five or six or seven years ago that said, how many of you think that like how many people in America think that Native Americans still exist? And there was 80% people are like, they don't exist anymore. What are you talking about? I saw that
2: one too. It's insane.
0: And that poll has changed, that has shifted because of the visibility in Hollywood. But Mm -hmm. that is mind blowing that the fact that people have been so completely closed off to understanding who we are, and it has a lot to do with history, textbooks, has a lot to do with education, if not Mm -hmm. all to do with education.
1: Very much so. Mm -hmm. As
0: well as accessibility and resources, there is a reason why so many people have been This has been hidden. It's not a pretty part of our history. It's not a pretty part of this country. And so, Mm -hmm. as it gets exposed, as like things start to get addressed, hopefully we're able to like heal and rectify and find ways to mend the wounds that the gaping, gaping wounds (laughs) that have Mm -hmm. been created because of bad policy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously, with our people having been forced off their land and Having been, uh, you know, every treaty broken and all things promised. I mean, if you saw Killers of the Flower Moon, that'll teach you something about what a lot of our people have gone through in terms of extraction of our people and resources. Mm-hmm.
2: Write it down. All,
0: all of our wealth has also taken. So there's no upward mobility at all. I mean, my mother didn't have running water when she was a kid. Like, like these, this is normal. Mm-hmm. There's There's terrible internet connectivity on reservations. And there's also a lot of complexities that are, you know, nuanced for a conversation that go much more in depth on all that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if I mean, here's the thing for any kid, anybody listening, who feels like the world, like they came into this world without a lot of tools. Like I can say that you can create your own tools. It's not going to be easier, though. It's not going to be like your path is not going to be easy. It's mm-hmm. not going to be as easy as other people's paths because you have to literally make something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. But that's also the challenge. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because I knew I could. So if mm-hmm. you can see me and you can see that I carved out the path, please follow the path behind me and then make new tracks and we build a new city, you know, like it's all for you. I'm doing it for the generation after me.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: that's great. But yeah, I hope more stuff keeps coming. Out. I'm happy to hear like how much the community has grown and. The discovery of other fellow natives and like you said meeting of five people not being a meeting of over 80 that's that's just amazing to hear
0: yeah i mean our path forward is like we have such a trove of perspective and so many stories to tell people through our eyes things mm-hmm. that people don't quite understand about us um mm. for example like i love learning about quantum mechanics and i love listening to all of sorry you're listening, all of these white people, all of these philosophers, <laughs> all of these philosophers being like, we discovered this. And oh, look at this scientific fact. I don't know why you're British, but that's what you are. Oh, <laughs> um, it's a scientific fact. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. And it's like, our people have actually known a lot of the things that quantum, like quantum mechanics and applied like collective consciousness and things that are coming out in sciences are starting to collide with a lot of the things our people have known for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you look at even indigenous cultures of the south and our people, the cities that we built were magnificent. However, mm-hmm. we also built them with nature, not against nature. So, of course, they mm. eventually withered, mm-hmm. and nature overtook them because that was the point—literally mm. <laughs> mm. the point. So, when you sort of learn about all of this and you learn that the perspective and the way that we handled these things, it's like that's in us. And it's not just about the past. It's about how we look at the future and -hmm. how we look at the future of ourselves too. We contain a multitude. We contain philosophy. Here's another thing I always say. Sorry again, white people. Y'all got Socrates (laughs) and Aristotle like a couple thousand years ago, if that, right? Like there's all these guys being like, therefore be there out, I think. And I know I am here. We have had, we had so many resources. We made this land so plenty. There were so many beautiful parks, beavers, the ecology was busting. What do you think we did 99% of the time? We worked like 10% of the day and then we just did a bunch of drugs. And so (laughs) (laughs) like literally philosophically in terms of our actual like philosophy and the way that our spirituality coalesces with everything around us, Mm -hmm. we for tens of thousands of years have had that philosophy ingrained in us. So we have perspective Mm -hmm. that just is hopefully healing. And we're just sort mm-hmm. of waiting to tell. We're we're waiting to be like, can we can we come in? Can we come in and <laughs> you know bring all this to the table because we have things to say, not just in the past, but we also contain things for the future. So hi. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I guess like on that on oh, yeah. that topic, um, how do you feel your cultural background influences you and in the work that you do?
0: Well, it's interesting. I mean i i it's like it's like my background is who I am. Like this mm-hmm. is. This informs me, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's a part of my spirit. So it's like everything I do is entrenched in that. Like everything I do is entrenched in the perspective that I was born with, or the the body and this in the mind that I was born with. So one of the things I am very grateful for, but this is my story and it's not for everybody, but I was born in a very dynamic family, right? Like one side was native, one side was Italian American immigrant. And so mm-hmm. I had this battle growing up because I grew up in a very white suburban town that was very, I never fit in. I didn't understand what, why I was not able to fit in. Mm-hmm. Constantly confused. I was teased a lot mm-hmm. for being Native. Actually, there were many times I cried because our, our mascot was an Indian growing up.
3: Mm-hmm. So
0: there was a lot of sentiment towards me uh, being Native. And the worst part is when I would tell people I'm Native, they would just be like, well, that doesn't, you don't exist anymore get out of our circles like you're not real you're lying mm-hmm. and like you you're
2: you're not real like what
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i grew up with a lot of people not seeing me it's like not seeing me as a minority not seeing me not seeing mm-hmm. my people not seeing anything mm-hmm. and it was difficult with my family too because though they were born on the res and they have a lot of connections like they were severed from their language Mm-hmm. Um, they were severed fr- from a lot of cultural practices. My grandmother was the eldest of 12 born on the uh Fort Capel res. And she, she like was the eldest of 12. Like she went through trauma. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. went through trauma with a capital T and to escape all of that, she took her family to New York mm-hmm. and she grew up in different areas and her stories for another day, but like the complications and the nuance of being so closely tied to to the fear that has been like impounded into us, you know, like that, mm-hmm. I carry that. I carry mm. all of what my ancestors went through. I carry every time they had to move. I carry every moment they had to make a difficult choice to, you know, try to get the family to assimilate so they could survive. Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, I would notice differences between my family. Cause I would always see my Italian American family on Saturday and then my native family on Sunday, like every single weekend growing up. And the contrast was just so insane to me. The way we treated our family, the way we ate food was so extra- extremely different. The way we spoke to our elders, so different. Like mm-hmm. everything was just different. And so yeah. I contain that.
3: Mm.
0: And that informs my writing. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's that's a tough question because even the, here's a great answer, I hope. I'm just, I'm saying that because I believe it. But
3: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> When I write, no matter what topic I write about, no matter what medium I write through, it's Native. Because I am Native. Mm. Mm. I love that. Mm -hmm. I'm not Mm. like, I am Native. That's hard Mm -hmm. for people to understand because they might see something and be like, you're writing a musical about, well, we're probably going to eventually get to it one day. But you're writing a musical about Vincent Van Gogh. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yes. It's a Native show. You may not quite understand how, who, what, where, or why, but when you watch Mm -hmm. it, the heart of it is Native. Like, Mm. I created it. It's Native. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I hope that makes sense. No, it (laughs) does.
1: Very much does. It kind of reminds me of Guillermo del Toro. You know, he. I think somebody asked him, like, "Uh, well, what about this is Mexican? He's like, Mexico is me. Mexico is in me. So, like, does not matter if the setting is in Mexico or not? The lens is through me. It's Mexico. It's Mexican, you know? Yes. And
0: and just another layer too, but we're on our indigenous lands. So we're telling stories on our lands, Mm -hmm. on the ground that informs us, that feeds us, that like fuels us. We have connections to the forest and the, the actual atmosphere and environment here much longer than many others. So like that's it's literally channeling through us because we're still here and we're like telling this story. I love mm-hmm. Guillermo de mm-hmm. Toro. Of course, he said something as brilliant as that. So my <laughs> yeah. great answer was mediocre and his answer was excellent. <laughs> no, yours
2: is great. Yours is great. Answer. <laughs> just,
1: yeah.
0: You're both great. Thank Amazing. You, also, Guillermo has a fantastic accent and so it probably just sounds way better. It's like, mm. <laughs> you sound like I belong in Upstate, New York. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So the next thing I want to ask you, now that you brought it up about uh, Vincent Van Gogh, is that you have also written and co-created a musical with Matt dehan about Vincent Van Gogh titled Starry, which is set to run in late 2023,
0: 2024. Yeah, how well, is- now it's more like 2024, 20, 2025. But uh, you guys <laughs> get the update here.
1: <laughs> so uh, how had this project, Different from what you've done in the past and also another thing I kind of want to add on top of that cuz I'm really curious when it comes to like musicals and stuff is that what was your process for writing these songs kind of and using the lyrics to kind of move the narrative forward in a story
3: mm.
0: yeah so here's here's where things get interesting for me mm. so i started dancing at the age of 2 mm, like oh. 4 days a week and Mm. When I was 2 years old, I was also in preschool at 2. A year and a half I was in preschool. Had a lot of energy as a child. <laughs> and like my first language was music through dance. Mm, so like yeah. instead of having, you know, English or whatever, I had dance and music mm. and my feelings. Mm. And so I was connected to music and dance at a very 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 young age. Mm-hmm. Things like Disney movies even if I didn't understand the language I understood yeah. the feeling and the emotion and the musicality of it all. And mm-hmm. so, lyrics actually flow to me easier than English language. Like, if I could rhyme all the time, I, <laughs> I would. I would. I would rather find that flow. I would rather find the beat in the poetry because I think that there's more beauty in the musicality of speech. Mm-hmm. Also, who doesn't want to hear someone sing when they talk?
2: (laughs) That's great. I
0: love that. Uh, So just putting it out there in the world until the world is all singing. I don't, I don't, I have work to do. Until we
2: are all in a musical all the time.
0: Yes. Um, Until I can sing my order at Trader Joe's, like... I got the olives and the pizza. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Hey. And then walk out. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, I'm not happy. So until that universe, until that world is built, I will continue uh, (laughs) to fight the great fight. (laughs) But yeah, so so in terms of story and the process too, like Mm -hmm. musical theater is, there's a flow to it. Mm-hmm. creatively there there's also structure like you can put within within it certain structure of course you have to make the book and the lyrics and the musical and then everything has to kind of come together mm-hmm. however it's it's also a flow and i don't i am very much so about leading forward with the creative process so me and my writing partner thankfully have a fantastic partnership and a great language back and forth and so we don't mm. We we found a flow together that allows us to have the flexibility of what our intuition is calling for us to go towards first, Mm -hmm. and we let whatever needs to lead first. So sometimes Mm -hmm. the book would lead first, sometimes the lyrics would lead, and sometimes the music would lead, which is very Mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Not everyone probably has that process, and there's no wrong. You can be the person who's like, we're going to write the whole book first and write all the characters out, and then we're going to insert songs and then do the lyrics. Like there's mm-hmm. no right or wrong way. It's really mm-hmm. dependent on your partnership and the people you're working with. But for Starry, Starry is its own world, its own lightning in a bottle, per
3: mm-hmm. se. Mm-hmm.
0: And there's a very fascinating backstory as to how the show came to be. But it's a lot. It's a bit of a long story. So maybe that's for another podcast, another day. <laughs> um, but there's magic in the show, and there's mm-hmm. there's serendipity and kismet in the show. And so when we were writing it the first thing we sort of did to tackle, where do we even begin? Mm-hmm. I have a degree in art history, and I did a focus on post-impressionism for my honors thesis. Mm-hmm. So, I had an extensive background in understanding the world of post-impressionism in France at the time. And the most interesting thing about writing the story was I was like, okay, I have the world. I'm going to let it all go. The only thing I'm going to do, use to tell the story is first source letters. So, that's where things get really interesting because of all the letters collected between Vincent and Theo. Mm. And so, that's where I began. There's like hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of letters I read, not just between Vincent and Theo, but ones with all the other characters, other painters of the of the story. I just collected all first source journals and letters. And so it was that's a wild. first source reading, yeah.
3: Mm. And
0: I let that all percolate and settle within and I, you know, I that was the book element that I had the job to do is like, you know, to create the characters and to really sink into mm-hmm. that and to create the story. Mm-hmm. Then there's Matt, who's brilliant, and he like would go into old music from his high school days and maybe pop out um, a melody that would stick out. I'd be like, that's our opening number. Or like, oh my God, what do you think about this lyric? He'd be like, oh brilliant, brilliant. Let me, let me take this chorus and build it out into a song. It was something every time we would listen to one another, we'd be like, I'd be like, oh, no, no, no. I want to write this whole song, top and bottom. Let me write the lyrics. And he's like, okay, go take it. And mm-hmm. we, I'd go off and then we would clean it up together. And there was such a dance. There was such a like excitement, like follow what calls to you, what's speaking to you right now. And mm-hmm. then eventually we had a show. <laughs> you. Yeah. Two years later. And there is in musical theater writing, especially if you want to get it right, and as somebody who mm-hmm. really cares about musical storytelling, rather it be on stage, in animation, in live action, it's an art.
3: Mm-hmm. It's a
0: craft. You can't just go in and do it. Everybody thinks they can just go in and do it. You can't. It is an actual thing you need to put 10,000 hours into. And I know that mm-hmm. sounds wild. <laughs> 10,000 mm-hmm. hours into it, it is literal craft, much as like Drawing as a craft, or writing as yeah, a craft, anything—the mm-hmm. the musicality of musical theater, being able to learn that—it mm-hmm. it takes a special—you really have to develop a special ear, yeah. To mm-hmm. to yes, yes, to feel when things are not right, or when I, when the music isn't fitting quite right, or when mm-hmm. when something needs to shift, or there needs to be a change or movement, or when a song needs to break through. Yeah. and so I'm very grateful that now that I have a lot an extensive experience within the musical theater world by my own degree and by my own steadfastness and determination <laughs> to make it happen. Um, <laughs> like I can say on the other side that the best way to approach a musical is truly to just feel the flow and also be patient and be open-minded to notes and to mm-hmm. really listen to your gut The best musicals are made when you are listening with an authentic gut. Anytime you try to create something that is a product of something else, like to appease people or to think that it's on Vogue or to try to tap, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It'll have like a a happy year and then it'll be, you know, it'll fall into the recess of of shows where in reflection, there's probably going to be dissertations written on them because they did more harm than good. I'm not referencing (laughs) any show right now. I'm not referencing any show. Um, I'm definitely referencing a couple shows, um, <laughs> but it's also like musical theater is delicate. It is sacred. Like be careful with the art form. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of power in it. So like, if you're going to step into the attempt to write musical theater, I'm here to support you and champion you and help you. But there's a lot of interesting spiritual roadblocks you might come up against. So protect mm-hmm. yourself and honor yourself, but also don't protect yourself too much. There's no right or wrong answer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I want to um, really quickly just talk about how you and Matt just have such a like wonderful chemistry, you know, bouncing back and forth. And how I really love that part of a, an artistic process, because I feel like if you focus too much on how like awesome your thing is going to be and how successful it'll be in the future... And how miserable you are making it, then all you're going to end up with is like a little bit of success and then a bunch of misery from like, man, that was a dark time in my life. But like having a partner who's just like, yes, and and like getting Mm -hmm. so excited about the thing along with you is just such a blessing because I don't know, you spend like you spend like two years, five years working on a project for people to watch it for like 10 minutes or an hour or however long your thing like your video or whatever right like animation it takes forever to make make the process fun like mm-hmm. why hurt yourself for nine months just to bring somebody joy for 30 seconds i don't know it's just that's that's a huge thing for me too and um mm-hmm. i think that's lovely that you guys have that and i think what you create from like such a purely good dynamic it's bound to be great so
0: hopefully that's, that's a thought yeah hopefully <laughs> and i mean I, I can say at least for me, it was also a part of my spirit, like there was a lot that I got to put on the page, it was very healing for me. So mm-hmm. if something within those spaces calls to you, like tackle it, tackle it, it's it's meant for you. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So one of the last things I want to ask before we kind of segue into the final question is one of the topics I also want to get into is that you are a and d dungeon master. So a couple of things I kind of want to ask the first one being. Uh, do you think playing D&D improved your skills as a writer slash storyteller? And also, just could you elaborate? What do you mean when you say you're a professional Dungeons & Dragons player? Because I because I, I, I don't know. So I want to know what you mean. Like.
0: <laughs> oh, man, I don't know either. Um, it is a weird, wonderful space to be in. I love what I do. I Essentially, because I played D&D when I was in high school and eventually followed my fee into college and tried to find a space for it. I was sort of always the one with my, with like the pulse on mm-hmm. the D and D world. I was typing in Dungeons and Dragons gameplay every single month on YouTube for like eight years straight. Um, Dang. nothing showed up until one day a show called Critical Role showed up. And <laughs> the next thing uh. you know, I'm watching the show. Um, the next thing, you know, I eventually meet Stephanie Woodburn who, uh, used to run the Friday night show on Geek and Sundry. And mm-hmm. then the next thing I know, she's inviting me to go to her streaming show every Friday night. And so, if I had a choice to be in a bar or surrounded by like thirty geeks belting to like some <laughs> sort of rock song, I was like, I'm gonna choose the, I'm gonna choose the nerds. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so I was in my happy place for many years as Geek and Sundry was in its heydays, and hopefully has more to come. But you never know. So awesome. And I was just there. I was there in the zeitgeist in the early, well, the mid-2010s. I don't, I don't know how old mm-hmm. I am anymore. But like <laughs> like 2015, I was there meeting everybody in the Dungeons & Dragons space that Critical Role sort of revived um, mm-hmm. in terms of the new wave of, of D&D gameplay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it was, it's just so amazing. I'm so grateful to have been there when things were kicking off. I started off doing some gameplay leads and story leads in um, Geek & Sundry mm-hmm. with like Tales from the Loop and some other games. Mm -hmm. Um, I also guested a bunch and then eventually I got invited to be the dungeon master for a group called Girls Guts Glory, which were the first really visible online all-girls Dungeons & Dragons group. That's awesome. Yeah, we had several seasons of our show sponsored and hosted by Dungeons & Dragons, which led to me also performing in front of hundreds of people at D&D events. I got to do some really cool games with incredible talent. They're all on YouTube. I'm all over Mm -hmm. YouTube. During my awkward yeah. phase, my mid twenties, everybody, you get to capture that. <laughs> Gosh, it was it was so fun, and still is. And I, from there, I was also on some other shows, and I also had created my own show called NDND. I would recommend checking that out too. But it's an all native hmm. Dungeons and Dragons gameplay that I put online. That is created by some some amazing writers are involved with it, who are awesome. all Hollywood writers. So. Just to sort of answer the question in terms of like, how do I become a professional D&D player? I also like playing castles with Dungeons and Dragons in the castle now, play around, <laughs> I play on cruise ships, prof- like I am hired to work on cruise ships. That's, oh, su- that's awesome. Wow. Like It takes me around the world. And yeah. I mean, I was just recently, I did not want to do this for the money. They were so kind of them to offer the money. I did it for the experience. I just, I, I went to, a, to an 11 year old's birthday party and I, I play, I ran a D D&D game professionally for a bunch of 11-year-olds. It was great. And I, yeah. I love the art of playing Dungeons and & Dragons. And, you know, you can say like, has D&D improved my skills as a writer? It's almost like, it's almost in some ways vice versa too. <laughs> like being a writer has made me a better dungeon master.
3: Mm. For
0: sure. And I think there's two great big things about D&D that have informed my writing and my writing informing D&D. Mm. One is, Dungeons & Dragons is a lot of structure. Like you mm. need to have structure and rules and you need to have things built to interact with Mm -hmm. and create interesting conflict for your players. Mm
3: -hmm. Not Mm -hmm.
0: just conflict period, but interesting, engaging conflict, engaging storytelling. And so within those environments, you then place them in it and depending on how you tackle your DMing, no matter what, you have to live in the present moment and you have to improvise. It's Mm going to happen to you as a dungeon master, no matter how much you try to plan. Mm -hmm. And it really helps me utilize my improv skills when I have things in my back pocket, old games I played, old modules I invent, like characters. I'm like, I have a trove of universes in my brain that I can pull from at any moment to Mm -hmm. always be informed when I play D&D. Yeah.
3: Make it flawless, right? Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. My writing, that is very similar in some ways where you have your structure you have your characters, you put them mm-hmm. in interesting situations with conflict, you want to shape them so they feel different feelings. You don't want, you know, to start one day happy and then in, end happy. You've got to try to shape it. You, are like, yeah. you want intrigue, you want to start with mystery yeah. and then go to allure or like start with like sadness and grief and then go to ecstasy. Like you want to jump around with different feelings with your characters. That's.
3: Yeah, yeah. What makes mm-hmm. things
0: engaging, and the best part is, what's improvisation, at least to me, it's dialogue. Like mm-hmm. the immediate dialogue that's coming out to your characters, that should just be flow. That should be mm-hmm. like I know my characters like the back of my hand. I don't have to overthink what they're saying because I know them inside and out. Mm-hmm. So much like when you play D&D, you know your character inside and out. So that's how those things inform one another. They allow you to not overthink <laughs> on both counts. Yeah. Know.
2: So cool. I mean, it it definitely is just like the same. It's all storytelling. It's all just yeah. storytelling.
0: <laughs> it's all storytelling. One's oral and one's written. And they're yeah. both amazing crafts. And I love Dungeons and Dragons because it really yeah. evokes the oral storytelling. Like oh, that is in my tribe and in my people to ta- tell our stories and pass down our stories. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, I love being able to do it. <laughs> truly. Yeah.
2: I'm absolutely enamored with this current wave of D&D, as you put it. Especially because my boyfriend, he told me that he used to go when he was like 10 or something like that. And this was like 20 years ago. So this was before this current wave of like, you know, Critical Role, The Adventure Zone, all of that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He used to go for summer camp instead of to like a real like camp out in the woods. He literally went to a D&D summer camp where him and like, wow. I don't know, six <laughs> other kids would just sit around a table and their parents would pay a professional DM a bunch of money to like dm for them and he was fantastic he's like an actual genius kind of level you know they wow. were playing DD 2 e like really like you know all the stuff that's popular now they were basically doing it back then it just wasn't popular mm-hmm. and he's fantastic and you know he like literally when you're talking about professional dm like that's the kind of stuff i think about and it's like that is the sort of thing where when people are like wow you can do animation as a job that was my like you can just be a DM as... <laughs> a, like, you can just make up stories for people as a job, and they'll pay you?
0: Yeah. Yes.
2: He, he's, like, incredible. Anyway, there's lots of people like that who I've met over the years who, like, do that kind of stuff. They, like, DM professionally. I wish I had that as a kid. Oh, my god, is that crazy? That like, honestly sounds really I, awesome. I wish I wish I had amazing. a DM like, like that. It sounds, like, insane. Um, but he, yeah. Uh, So, it's really amazing to see this current wave of, of like, you know, popularity in Dungeons and Dragons and also just on top of like your DMing experience and like building a story. I think it's also very popular right now because people, want that very it's very a personal experience mm-hmm. like you probably won't have the same D game twice even though there's modules written of like this is the adventure you go on it'll never be the same way for Mm-mm. for two Mm-mm. different groups So and
0: it's also brilliant because it forces connection too which i yeah. love because like love you have that. a community building right there as you're doing mm-hmm. it yeah. like you're literally building a little community <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. the best part about dungeons of dragons i'm going to say it out loud is like when you're all hanging out with your friends and like you're out. Let's pretend you're out at a bar and you're just hanging out and you're getting a drink and you're looking and, you know, people are singing karaoke or something. And you can just turn to your friend Daryl and be like, dude, you killed that blue dragon so hard. Like, yeah. like, like, like you live in another universe with somebody. You get to mm-hmm. live in a literal and it feels so real because it you is real it's at real. the table. Yeah. It is. It is. You lived it. You've you you experienced it. it. It's true. Yeah. Like all of those stories are mm-hmm. real. And that's what's so magical about it. I just love that mm-hmm. it, it 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 creates bonds and ties that are unbreakable. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's awesome.
2: Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Kelly. Before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you would like to promote?
0: Yeah, so you can find me pretty much anywhere. My handle is at Kelly Lindang, K-E-L-L-Y-L-Y-N-N-E-D-A-N-G. Kelly Lindang. And I'm all over the internets. I have a couple things probably to throw out. Obviously, Starry, if and when it will be. It's not even if and when. When it's because I literally signed the (laughs) contract. So when it's on on the West End, please come see it if you're in London or if you have a way to get to London. We'd love to Uh, have mm -hmm. you. That's awesome. And be able to share that experience with you. The the experience of Starry. It's really for artists, too. It's for creatives. Mm -hmm. It's for people who also feel like they're not creatives at all. So please Mm -hmm. bring your family. It's hopefully a story that will bring everyone closer together. It's also for people who are struggling in any way, shape, or form with mental health. Like it's a impactful, powerful story about a real story about two brothers. And I think that's what makes it so powerful. Mm. Come check that out. Check out NDD if you'd like, as well as Girls Gets Glory online. Mm. I have a lot of shows that I'll be announcing that I've written on. I also wrote on, gosh, if you're international, uh, check out the Twisted Timeline of Sammy and Raj. I think it's it's probably past Ollie, but I know that today is that day. So uh, congrats to all those who are celebrating. Um, <laughs> My Little Pony. There it is. <laughs> Go watch My Little Pony right now. Go do it. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Ray.
3: <laughs> oh,
2: it's just for Ray. It's actually not for the podcast promo, no. it's just for Ray.
1: <laughs> okay, well that's awesome. That's a wonderful list, I think. And then finally, as we're coming to a close, what final advice do you have for those that want to pursue a career in animation or a career in writing?
0: I would say the best advice would be to follow your intuition. Don't always listen to your head. Oftentimes our egos get ahead of us and we might want to protect something or we might want to defend or like anything like that. Do your best to follow your intuition. when I say intuition, it's not just a sense of like the gut, but when you feel like you're being taken advantage of when you feel mm-hmm. disrespected when you feel like something is not aligned, like it's not going to serve you. I understand in so many capacities, like people want that foot in the door. They want their first internship. They want their first job. Don't sacrifice your well-being for the opportunity. Opportunities will always come. You just have to create them, which means, yes, for all of you listening who I know, I know you're the Fluttershy. I know that you are the introvert. I, we love you. We love our introverts. We know your power. You are a powerful person with a powerful gift. So honor that. Honor yourself. Honor your abilities. Don't let someone take advantage of you. You deserve an immense amount of respect because you're a creator. And I have no doubt that everyone listening, whether you're an artist or not, is some sort of creator or has creation within them. So the best thing you can do is to honor that creative intuition. I really do think, because a lot of the time I'm an Aries. So yes, I like to play with fire, (laughs) but also I like to ram into things. And what I mean by that is when I feel my intuition say something, I just do it. And when I feel called, I'll say, I'll figure it out along the way. Find people who compliment you. Like if you Mm -hmm. don't have that that instinct, find somebody who does and link up with them and create with them. Mm -hmm. Your community is going to be the biggest thing that you build as you go along. I'm not talking about Mm -hmm mentorship. I never had a mentor properly. Um, I actually think I might finally have one after 10 years in the industry right now. <laughs> so that's how long it took me. Mm-hmm. So don't even expect that, but mm. build your relationship with your peers. That's where you're going to get the most out of it. That's where things are going to open for you. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of advice, but hopefully somebody can take a parcel of one of those things home and carry it with them ahead.
3: Mm-hmm. Amazing.
2: Yeah, grow
0: that tree around you. Use that nature around <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. Build your
2: community. Yes. Thank you so much again, Kelly. Thank you. And if you enjoyed our interview with Kelly today, please brain follow us on Apple Spotify or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Blue Sky and Instagram at TradeAheadAP. AP.
1: You can follow myself at Radio Silence on Instagram.
2: You can follow me at Tudles both on Blue Sky and Instagram as well. Thanks again to Carissa Valencia. A thousand thank yous. We really couldn't have done any of this without you for suggesting Kelly and all of our other native guests this month. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and when to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. Special thanks to our editor, Ashley Itliong. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier.
1: Thanks again for listening. And thank you once again to our guests who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day.